Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. Let's take our Bibles and go to Revelation chapter number 17. If you need a copy of the notes, one of our men will help you with that. And uh, they certainly uh, would love to give you one of the handouts. If you just put up your hand, they'll do that as they pass back through the auditorium. And while they're doing that, let me remind you we're in a new month. Uh, this whole year, I've written a devotion for every day. Uh, it's uh, probably my writing devotions uh, uh, is not the greatest way to do it because mine's just a continuous thought. So if, you, if you're expecting to read a devotion for just today, you've got to make sure you've read yesterday and plan to read tomorrow. It's, uh, they all work with each other. But the new uh, October devotion booklets are available for you to pick up at guest services. And then, of course, many of you, you read the daily app. And I read it every day just to see what I wrote. And so, um, so I, I encourage you to read the devotions. I trust it can be an encouragement, whether it's the Bible verse, the memory verse, the thought, the story that's shared, that it can be a blessing and help to you. All right, it looks like we're all situated now. Revelation chapter number 17. Um, we continue to march our way through the book of Revelation. When I began in Revelation chapter 4 many months ago, it seemed like this is so far in the future. But here we are, Revelation 17, still continuing on. And I've entitled this morning's message, The Beautiful Monster. The Beautiful Monster. Now for older folks, that may not grab your attention, but I wanted a catchy title for all of our teenagers that sit down front here and and I thank you, teenagers, for your willingness. Many of our empowered class sit close to the front. Thank you so much for that attention you give to the reading of God's Word. Take your Bibles there and follow along. I'm going to read the first five verses. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations." and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. What a strange passage of Scripture. And I would say that if you're one of those people that you just read through the, the Bible to uh, make sure that you've read through the Bible for a whole year, you might read Revelation chapter 17 and you say, well, I read it, I'll check it off, but I have absolutely no idea what it's talking about. I tell you this morning, without some careful study, uh, I could say the same thing. I have no idea what it's talking about. But after a careful study of this passage of Scripture, it's my desire to help all of us to be able to understand the Word of God. 
But with the understanding of God's word, there also becomes a great responsibility. What do I do with what I now understand? This beautiful monster that we're going to be induced, introduced to uh, today is, uh, is beautiful on the outside, but ugly within. You know, beauty, they say, is only skin deep, but ugliness goes all the way to the bone. And that is the type of person that's been described in the passage of Scripture that we read. And I think we must all recognize that prophecy, it's in the news. And man has always wanted to look into the future. They want to know about the future. But I say this morning, no Christian, no believer, no Christ follower can afford to be ignorant of prophecy in in these days in which we live because I believe that we are uh, living in those days where the shadows of the end of the age, they're lengthening. And I believe this morning that we're on the threshold of the second coming of Jesus Christ and He's going to rapture the church and the things that are prophesied, I believe they are imminent just as the song was so eloquently saying. And the things that um, we read here in Revelation, they really are going to happen. And Jesus Christ really could come back today to get all of those who are saved. Do you believe that this morning? But there's a monster described as the Antichrist. And he's lurking in the shadows. He's ready for war. He's ready to take over. And I think that this morning we need to know because of the intercession factor, as I call it, we need to understand prophecy so that we may pray like we've never prayed before. We need to know prophecy because of the soul winning factor. We need to get um, our loved ones and our brothers and our sisters and our fathers and our mothers and our children and whomever it may be to the ark of safety. We need to understand prophecy to help our family, and we need to prepare our loved ones for the things that are going to come. And we need to make sure that we, uh, that we do not just mindlessly wander through these messages and say, when is it going to be finished so that I can go have lunch? We need to say, what is the truth that's being shared that I need to be responsible for, that I cannot afford to ignore? And we need to find comfort by understanding prophecy. And just because you may think that the things are coming, uh, uh, that, that the things in this world are coming apart, and as uh, Dwight mentioned in his message, number one this morning, it's supposed to be a little snippet <laughs> to introduce the choir song. But he had to talk about all the songs that were being sung. Good job, Dwight. But as he said, has God forgotten about us? And when we look at this sin-sick world, has God forgotten about us? Has he forgotten that there's wickedness and evilness and things that we would have never thought that could happen in this world, in the United States of America, in the state of Arizona? So this morning, we're going to look into this 17th chapter and discover this mysterious woman. And then we're going to discover and see again this beautiful monster who's named the Antichrist or the man of sin. If you're visiting with us, I've been preaching now for many months, verse by verse, through the book of Revelation. Let me let you know where we are. We're in a period of time called the Great Tribulation. The rapture of the church has already 
taken place. The church, that blood-bought body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the bride of Christ, has been taken out by the true bride. And now at this particular juncture, at this particular time, what we see here is a false bride, a false church. The harlot, as the Bible says, shows herself. So really, in chapter 17, there's five highlights to this chapter. As our time permits, I'd like to work through these five highlights uh, here in chapter 17. What I have discovered, the more I study, the more I read, the longer the messages get. So I'm going to try to stick with just chapter 17 this morning. Here's highlight number one, as I see in Revelation chapter 17. We see the woman's mysterious character. We read about the woman's mysterious character. We read here in the verses 1 through 5 about this woman. We're introduced to her. And I simply ask you this morning, what on earth does this mean? Make no mistake, the woman represents an apostate, a false worldwide religion. The woman in Bible prophecy is always a symbol of religion, whether it is good or whether it is bad. For example, the church of Jesus Christ is called what? The bride. We are referred to as the church, as the bride of Christ. And what we read this morning is the antithesis. This is the false church. This is the harlot. This is the whore. It's the anti-church, if you will, because the antichrist is going to have an anti-church. Make no mistake about it. After the rapture takes place, church will happen the next Sunday. There will still be people that go to church. And eventually, by the three-and-a-half-year mark of the tribulation, it's going to be led by this person. What we read this morning is something like um, uh, the evil one trying to replicate what is good and wholesome and right and what you are doing this morning. May I just say loyalty to Jesus is called spiritual purity. And let me give you some scriptures to illustrate. In James chapter 4 and verse number 4, James, he warns the church when he says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. That is, if we flirt with the, this prostitute world, this harlot world, we become an enemy to our Lord and Savior, uh, the bridegroom. Paul put it very clearly in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2. And Paul wrote this, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. The church is the virgin who's going to be presented to the Lord Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, at the moment the rapture takes place. That's going to be an amazing event. Will you be a part of that? I sure hope your testimony is in the affirmative that you can say without a shadow of a doubt, I will be raptured with the church. But I want you to notice in Revelation chapter 17 and verse 2, the woman is one who has seduced the nations. In verse number 2, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. This woman stands for false religion. Do you have that this morning? False religion. But our passage of scriptures use the word Babylon. 
What does Babylon stand for? Well, Babylon stands for false religion also. The word Babylon is a code word. Now, um, we don't uh, really use code words today that much, but let me give you an example of what we would use as a code word. When I say, uh, when I refer to Wall Street, uh, do you think that that means I'm literally walking down Wall Street? Uh, no, Wall Street, when we refer to Wall Street, it refers to the economic system of, of, uh, of stocks and, and, and all of those uh, 401k programs that you contribute to, and so much of it goes through what happens at Wall Street. So when we say Wall Street, we're referring to economics. And when the Bible uses the term Babylon here, in Revelation chapter 17, it's talking about much more than Babylon the city, the true Babylon. It's rooted on, in that, just, um, it, it, just like Wall Street is rooted in a true street. I've actually walked down Wall Street and Times Square, and many of you have visited New York and walked down Wall Street or have visited Times Square. Well, Babylon, just like Wall Street is a literal place, may I say Babylon is a literal place. Uh, where is Babylon? Today we know Babylon is in the country of Iraq. Uh, it's a literal city. Now, we don't call it Babylon today. Uh, we don't refer to it in that way. The name has been changed to protect the guilty, but it's still the same place. But when the Bible uses the term Babylon here, it's also speaking in a larger sense, a broader sense. You see, Babylon goes way back in history. Babylon is great in antiquity. Babylon is great in iniquity. Babylon is great in prophecy. Babylon is the cradle. It's, a, it's also the, the grave of all false religion. Well, let me give you a little Bible history as well as a human history lesson here. Babylon, if you were to go back to the book of Genesis and we were to study chapters 10 and 11, we would find that Babylon was built, uh, first of all, by a man by the name of Nimrod. The very name Nimrod means a rebel. Nimrod is a symbol, it's a type, it's a prophecy of the Antichrist that's to come. He was an enslaver of men. He was a hunter of men. He built the tower. What do we call that tower? The Tower of Babel. And who's on top of that Tower of Babel was referred to as heaven. He wasn't trying to build a tower into the stratosphere. That's not what it means. It means that on top of this tower was a place for pagan worship to the gods. It was unto heaven. It was there that man first began pagan, idolatrous worship. And all false religion has her roots back in Babylon so many thousands of years ago. In the book of Daniel, chapter 5, and verse number 7, we find that Daniel was in Babylon, and the king of Babylon, the Bible says, had a dream, and he wanted it interpreted. It's interesting. If we understand the total picture of what we're talking about this morning, the Bible says this, the king cried aloud, and he wanted the astrologers and the Chaldeans and the soothsayers brought in. Do you see how false religion is rooted here? As far back as Daniel's day, they had magicians, and they had soothsayers, and they had astrologers. Babylon has been, throughout all of history, a den of demons. And the world today is haunted by the ghost of Babylon from aforetime. Now back in verse number 2 of Revelation chapter 17, the Bible speaks of a little interesting phrase called the wine of her fornication. Now, that wine was bottled centuries and centuries ago. But men are still getting drunk on that wine today. What am I talking about? The wine of 
Her fornication refers to astrology. Astrology. Did you know that they say that today or or, or, or in 2020 is the latest statistics I could find that there's over 1 billion people involved in astrology. 1 billion people. Many of them are Americans. And by the way, if you have a horoscope in your home, get it out. Now. It has no place in your home. Don't fool with it. And you say, ah, oh, Pastor Armstrong, I just read my horoscope for fun. What could be wrong with that? And I say, I'll echo that. Everything is wrong with it. When you dabble with fire, you will get burned. Please understand this morning, Satan is not against religion. Not at all. As a matter of fact, Satan is working for a worldwide religion. The first temptation in the Garden of Eden from Satan was not against religion. It was for religion. The devil was trying to tell Eve to be godly. And he said, if you'll do this, you'll be as God. He, this was not a temptation to fall down. It was a temptation to climb up to be godly. The problem was it was the devil's way, not God's way. The world is going to see a worldwide religion. And during the Great Tribulation, the entire world is going to be unified by this monster with a false religion. And this false religion will have all of the resources that any religion has ever needed. So the first thing I want you to see is this woman's mysterious character. The Bible links her with Babylon. Therefore, the mystery is unlocked. And what we read here is that this woman is deeply involved in apostate, false religion. And, as, and it is, as we are going to see, a worldwide religion. Here's highlight number two. Highlight number two, speaking of this beautiful monster, we see the woman's mischievous children. We see the woman's mischievous children. Back in verse number 5, and upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Now I would like to ask you to listen carefully to this next little section of this message. I do not want in any way to come across as unkind or harsh or like I'm better than what I'm about to say. But I... And the reason I say that is because all of us, we have family members, we have friends, perhaps co-workers that are involved with what I'm about to say. This woman who had her origin in Babylon so long ago, she's spawned many children across the world. And this scarlet woman had given birth to all of the false religions that are in the world today. She's taught her daughters Churches, religions, cults, how to prostitute themselves. And she is the mother of all harlots. The Bible says that right there in verse number 5. What are some of those harlots? Well, the New Age religion, Satan worship, mother of earth worship, globalism, Hinduism, Islam, Catholicism, Mormonism, apostate Christianity, and the list could go on and on. Listen carefully, all of these are daughters of this false religion. 
As we live today in a world that's being engulfed by something called the New Age Movement, what is the New Age Movement? It is purely symbolic of all the world's religions. In the New Age religion, there's no distinction between the Creator and the creation. It's just, let's all get together so that all this ecology and earth worship and Mother Earth rather than Father God is part of this uh, last world movement. May I just tell you, everywhere I look, Jesus must come back soon when I see what is happening in the religions of the world. Because underway, right now, as I speak, in the year 2022, there is an effort to unify the religions of the world. And just as one day there's coming a one-world government, there is coming a one-world religion. As a matter of fact, let me read from you the charter of the organization that's trying to uh, globally put all religions back together. Here's what is written. We affirm that there is an irrevocable, unconditional norm for all areas of life, for families and communities, for races, nations, and religions. There already exist ancient guidelines for human behavior. You know what I say? That's right. It goes all the way back to the Tower of Babel. Ancient guidelines for human behavior which are found in the teachings of the religions of the world and which are the condition for a sustainable world order. End of quote. That may not be exciting to you, you may say, what is he talking about? What I'm saying is underway, there is an effort to unify all the world religions so that we can just all coexist. It's coming. As sure as I'm standing before you, a system of a worldwide religion. So you see this woman and her mysterious character. She stands for false religion. You see this woman and her mischievous children. She has spawned many, many daughters of false religion and false cults. And it's all over this world. And all of them are prostituting. Now here comes the third thing I want you to see. The woman's murderous conduct. I want you to see the woman's murderous conduct. In verse number 6, look at that if you will. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. This woman, this hideous woman, beautiful on the outside, ugly on the inside, she's not only a prostitute for all the world's religions that are false, anti-God. By the way, I know some of you may say, how could he say some of those religions are false religions? If a religion says that there's any way other to God other and apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a false religion, and it is of the devil. Period. You say, well, there's some good people in some of these other religions. That's not what I said. I said, if there's any religion that says there's any way other to God apart from Jesus Christ, it is a false religion. When we see here that she's not only a prostitute for false religion, but the Bible says she's also a murderer. False religion has always been a bloody thing. That's the reason I say that even though we're Tucson Baptist Church identified as a religion by Baptists, may I just say that it could be best defined that we have a vital relationship with Jesus Christ. This woman is drunk with the blood of the saints. And during the tribulation, there's going to be coerced conversion. And you will, you will believe and you will bow to this monster or you will die if you are alive during this time. Back in Revelation chapter 13, 
in verse, uh, uh, verses, uh, uh, excuse me, back to Revelation in chapter 13, if we look at verse 15, is speaking of a sinister uh, minister of propaganda, and the false prophet said this, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as uh, would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. You say, Pastor, I've been listening to you for months now saying that if the rapture takes place, I'll have no chance. You've educated me now, Pastor. I know what's about to happen. I will believe when Jesus comes and all these people disappear, I will then become a Christian. Well, if you believe me now, then believe all of it. Because the Bible says that for all the people, there will be a forced conversion. I don't believe in forced conversions. Matter of fact, that's a contradiction in terms. And one of the mistakes uh, that has blackened the pages of so-called Christianity, we go back to the Crusades, and where sometimes we're still reaping the, the bitter fruit of those uh, Crusades. Islam is a religion of lifestyle of forced conversions. The Antichrist will be into forced conversions. And please understand, we all desire the right to try to persuade anybody to believe in Jesus Christ, but we cannot force someone to become a Christian. And though at tribulation time, once you take that mark of the beast, you will be forced into believing the world will be drenched with the blood, and this woman is drunk, the Bible says, with the blood of the martyrs, and more people have died for the cause of Jesus Christ in this one century than all the centuries uh, since the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. And during this time, this beautiful monster will kill more people than was ever killed during the Holocaust. It's going to be a bloody time on earth. That's why we study Scripture, so that we can warn others they don't want to live during this time period. There's a fourth highlight from chapter 17, and that is the woman's monstrous companion. The woman's monstrous companion. I want you to see the, the woman and her monstrous companion. She has a friend. I would call her the bride of the beast, but I'm not sure. The Bible doesn't say they've ever been married. They just keep a lot of company together. She's a prostitute. Notice again, chapter 17, verse number 3. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Well, that does kind of sound beastly. Have you ever seen anything that had seven heads and ten horns? Uh, that would be grotesque. Um, I don't think that I, I would want to be around a person like that. What in the world is it talking about? Now, I need you to take your Bibles and drop down. We're going to read a couple more verses here so that we can understand. Verse number seven. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carried her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world uh, when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. And here is the mind which hath wisdom, the seven heads or seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And there are seven uh, kings, five are fallen and one is. And the other is not yet come, and when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seven, and goeth into perdition. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have 
received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. All right, let's, let's look at this for a moment. If we want to understand the whole counsel of the word of God, we must understand what is John referring to. The beast is the Antichrist, and he's talking about his kingdom. And that's what the beast represents, just as the woman in Babylon represent false religion. And what you see here is the ultimate, ultimate alliance between the church and the state government. We see here, take a look at the place where the beast comes from in verse number 8. It states that this monster is going to ascend out of what? The bottomless pit. Now, here's what that means. It means he has died, is incarcerated in the bottomless pit. And he's going to come out of the bottomless pit. How is he going to do that? The beast, the Antichrist, is going to be catapulted into power with some type of satanic miracle. The devil who always wants to imitate and take the place of Almighty God, he's going to give to his false Christ the, uh, the Antichrist, a resurrection or recitation or the appearance of a resurrection. Please understand what is about to happen. It's going to happen to this Antichrist and he's going to die or appear to die, the Bible says. He's wounded unto death, but then the abyss out of it, out of this abyss. And I don't know where this abyss is. He comes. This is going to cause all of the world to wonder and marvel and be amazed just like the world would have been amazed if they would have followed Jesus Christ and seen him rise from the dead. This Antichrist is going to be resuscitated. Something's going to happen to this Antichrist. And I don't know, the Bible doesn't say, but he is going to come back to life. Imagine if we were to go back into history. In Russia, there's the sarcophagus of Lenin and his body lying there in that crystal sarcophagus. And what would have happened after he had been put in that? And there for the whole world to see. And as they marched by, and let's say they kept him there for three and a half days. And out of it, as all of the Russians were going by, physically looking at Lenin, he suddenly comes back to life. And he opens that tomb that he is in, and he sits up, and he's stretching out, and he's alive. You know what everyone would say? Communism is definitely the way to go. The world would marvel. My friend, during the tribulation period, this is exactly what's going to be uh, uh, witnessed by the world. There's going to be the Antichrist who comes out of the abyss, the bottom of uh, this pit, and the whole world's going to marvel and fall at his feet and worship him. What is the purpose for which he'll come? The purpose is to deceive. You say, well, if I go into the great tribulation, I will not be deceived. Oh, yes, you will. I'll argue with you till we're blue in the face. Because the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians, and the Bible says he's coming, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. For this cause Shall God send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie? Let me just personalize this. Pastor Armstrong, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a chance. I have really good luck. 
I, I know what the Bible says. You've already told me what the Bible says. And for this cause, God shall send you a strong delusion that you will believe a lie. That you all might be damned to believe not the truth and had pleasure in unrighteousness. You see, when you hate the truth, you will embrace a lie. And by not following Christ today, you are saying, I hate the truth of God's word. And if you hate the truth of God's word, you will embrace a lie. Now back in Revelation chapter 17, Notice the power with which he comes. In verse number 9, And here is the mind of which hath wisdom, the seven heads or seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Now, what city is built on seven hills? Rome. The power is going to be concentrated in Rome. In 1957, a very important treaty was written up by half a dozen European countries, and it was known as the Treaty of Rome. And out of this Treaty of Rome is what we have today called the European Common Market or the reunification of Europe. The Roman Empire reestablished. This is where I love the Word of God, and it comes alive. Some of you, we've got some folks that are maybe, maybe a little glassy-eyed right now. Hold on, we're, we're almost finished. Sometimes we got to get into the technical details of God's Word, right? This beast is going to concentrate his power and his marriage with religion or his consorting with religion at Rome. That's where his power is going to come, and he's going to rule over an empire, the United States of Europe. Now notice, and this is where the technical things that, that, that to me caused the Bible to come alive— who wrote the book of Revelation? John. John wrote it how many years ago? 2,000 years ago. So was he alive when he was writing 2,000 years ago? Yes, he was writing. Notice how he describes this. This is exciting, verse 10 and 11. And there are seven kings. Five are fallen. And one is, and the other is yet to come. Let's pause right there. John is seeing prophecy 2,000 years ago from a current view 2,000 years ago, looking into the future to where we are today. And he says this in prophecy that the Roman Empire will have seven world leaders, seven emperors, seven kings of which five are already fallen. During John's day, five Roman empires who had lived and died. There was a Roman emperor on the throne when John wrote this epistle and he says, the other is not yet come. There is coming a final Caesar. And John is warning us, there's going to be a last ruler of the world of the Roman Empire. Five have already gone into the grave. One is in existence when John was writing this. And there is yet one more to come. And then he says, and when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth. Now what does that mean? Well, the seventh beast that was and is not is the one who lives and who dies and then comes back. So the one that went into the grave is the seventh. And the one that comes out, he's the eighth. That is, he, he goes into the grave as a human and he comes out as a superhuman or as the Antichrist. It really makes a lot of sense if you study it. 
Look with me in verse number 12. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings. A horn in Bible prophecy on an animal speaks of power. That's obvious. But the ten horns on this beast are ten kings which have received um, no kingdom as of yet. Uh, they are puppet kings out of the unified Roman Empire, the Bible teaches us. So what you have now is the United States of Europe federated under ten nations. Ten being the complete number. And you have this one world government. And the, the, the western world will have one mind that is to yield to the beast and to acknowledge his lordship and the beast himself will be the genius of this federation that he'll be the unifying factor of the United States of Europe now notice the passion with which he comes look with me again in verse 14 these shall make war with the lamb is lamb capitalized in your bible and the lamb shall overcome them do you think all the nations of the world, when they come to Armageddon, is coming primarily against Israel? The answer is no. This beautiful monster that we've described this morning, he is coming against the king of kings. He's marching against the Lord of lords. The devil in his insanity, he still thinks until the last minute, just like we have heard the truth, he thinks, I can overthrow the Lamb of God. Oh, the lamb as we know it is a lion. Now the beast that comes to make war on the lamb, he has one passion, that is to defy the lamb. And the beast will strut across the stage of, of history and he will meet his demise at a battle called Armageddon. And all of those who follow this beautiful monster, they will discover that they made a poor choice because they believed a lie. Oh, my time has slipped away. Let me quickly highlight Highlight number five about this woman in Revelation chapter 17. And we see the woman's major catastrophe. We see the woman's major catastrophe. What is going to happen to this apostate religion? What is going to happen to this beautiful scarlet woman? What will happen to this beautiful monster who is actually ugly and evil and sinister and conniving and wicked and sinful? And any other horrible word that you can think of? Notice with me, the Bible says, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. And He saith to me, The waters which thou sawest, where the horse sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, they shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the king of kings. What's going to happen is this. The Babylonian monster is going to turn around and destroy the Babylonian mother. And when we were, uh, perhaps you've heard this, when we were growing up a long time ago, we sang this little song. When she sailed away on a happy summer day on the back of a crocodile, Mr. Croc winked his eye as she waved a fond goodbye. On her face there was a smile. At the end of the ride, the lady was inside. The smile on the crocodile. What does all that mean? Well, it means, dear friend, that this woman ought to not ride that beast. Because the Antichrist is going to turn on her. The Antichrist is going to turn on all religion. And notice what the Bible says is going to happen. He's going to detest her religion. 
The honeymoon is over. And just like any marriage of convenience, uh, then he's going to desolate her. He's going to see all of the riches that she has. And he's going to want all the religions of the false religion for himself. And then he's going to disgrace her. He's going to make her naked or exposed uh, to her moral vileness. And scandals will be exposed. Then the Antichrist is going to devour her. He's going to devour all of those who are part of the false religion. And then ultimately he's going to destroy her. He's going to burn her with fire. And that's the reason we're going to see in the next chapter where God speaks of Babylon. God says, come out of her, my people. Why is the Antichrist going to do this? Well, for practical reasons, he wants to be the ruler of the world. And who is the Antichrist? We know that the devil wants to be the ultimate ruler of the world. The Bible says in Revelation 17 and 17, for God hath put it in their hearts to fulfill his will. May I just tell you, even during the tribulation time, God is still at work on planet earth. I wish I had more time, but friend, there's there's this story of this beautiful monster. There is coming a time, and it's coming like gangbusters, a world religion and a world government. And if you are a Christ follower, if I, if I say this, if you belong to Christ this morning, he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And you don't have to belong to the harlot church. And by the way, you won't belong to it because you'll be raptured from this world. These days, we're not yet there to the great tribulation. It's coming. It's coming soon. But I'm going to tell you that every person here this morning, every boy, every girl, Every lady, every man, you will make a decision. What do I do with Jesus Christ? You say, Pastor Armstrong, um, I need to study the religions of the world before I make this decision. You know what you remind me of? You remind me of going to a fine restaurant. And you've sat down and you've just ordered this amazing great meal. And the server says, may I have your menu, sir or ma'am? And you say, no, I'm going to hold on to this so I can study the menu a little bit more. There's so many of us that we always want more or different. Or is this really true? My friend, this book says that what we said this morning is true and faithful. Know the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to study all the religions. Know the Lord Jesus Christ. Be true to Jesus Christ. Get a bulldog grip on the truth. And you're going to see that even though there's great pressure in the workplace, even though there may be great pressure in your family, you say, Jesus Christ is my Lord, no matter what you say. No matter what you think.